So let me give you a quick refresh from last week. Last week was kind of talking about f- uh, certain facts. It was foundational stuff, stuff that just is what it is, and we have to agree with the truth. Otherwise, we're going to be, you know, like Paul, forever kicking against the goads. So here's some facts. The flesh and the spirit are in opposition to each other. Now, this is a capital S, spirit. So those things that my flesh would desire are always in opposition to what the Holy Spirit would desire. It's a fact. Wisdom, the Bible calls them both wisdom. Wisdom comes from two sources. There's heavenly wisdom, and it has a certain set of fruits that it brings with it. And there's earthly wisdom that the scriptures actually define as demonic. So it's spiritual wisdom either way. Wisdom is this this set of of, um, beliefs, maybe. It's, It's the tool that you use to evaluate how to respond to a situation. So something comes upon you in your life, You have to decide, how am I going to respond to this? For me, the the obvious example where I stumble quite a lot in my life is road rage, where there's a wisdom that says, you know, you punked me, I'm going to punk you back kind of a thing, and it brings about death. There's no good fruit that comes from demonic wisdom. There's another fruit or another wisdom that would be from above that if I would submit myself to could bring about God's will in this world. So there's, there's two sources of wisdom. One is heavenly, one is demonic. One has fruits that bring life. The other has fruit that bring death. It's a fact. Fact number three, God will not be mocked. We will and we do reap what we sow. You can't sow or you can't, yes, you can't sow into the flesh, into evil and ever reap anything of any benefit. It's just not possible. You can't plant corn hoping to harvest a cucumber. You put a corn seed in the ground, corn's coming up. You plant weeds, weeds are coming up. It's just a fact. It's how it is. That's the way God made this whole economy that we live in. Next one, we have an enemy. He's not an imaginary enemy. Evil isn't just this concept. Evil is real. It has a name. Its name is Satan. He has a whole army of fallen angels to help him to bring about his personal will. He's the enemy of God, and he's the enemy of every person, whether they're saved or not. There is no good in him. He is unredeemable because God has chosen not to put his grace on him. His only agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy. His tools are lies and deception. And stability, this is a fact, stability in life. Maybe you call it the abundant life if you want to, but a stable life comes from knowing the truth, from acknowledging the truth, and acting on the truth. So Jesus said in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he summarized the whole thing with this picture of these two houses. One house was built on a rock. One house was built on the sand. The storms hit both of the houses. At the end of the storms, one house was standing. The other house had come to ruin. That, that, that represents our lives. He said the difference wasn't that they, one heard these words that he was teaching and the other didn't hear them. Both heard the words. The difference, Jesus says, is one of them acted on the words and the other did not. Okay, now, decisions. We have to understand that everything is a choice. We talked a little bit about Flip Wilson. Anybody that's you know younger, you might not know who Flip Wilson is. Flip Wilson is this comedian from back in like the 70s. And he had this saying that he always used to use, the devil made me do it, the devil made me do it. Let me tell you, the devil did not make you do it. You did it because you chose to do it. Now, you might not have had a conscious, conscious mental process to think through some evil, wrong thing that you did or I did, but you did it because you chose to. 
He didn't make you do it. And the flip side of that is really true too. You didn't do good because God made you. You did good because God influenced you through his spirit by way of his word, by way of truth, and then you made a decision to do something right, something well. God has given us a map and a compass. The map is the word of God. It's the Bible. It's the scriptures. It's absolutely truth. He's given it to us. He's given us a compass. The compass is the Holy Spirit. As we navigate through life and we're presented with situations that might result in something like road rage, if we look at the compass, it'll point us towards the map and we'll see things that say, treat others the way you want to be treated, not the way they treat you. You'll see things that say, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. And the compass will point you to the map. But if you don't open the map and you don't listen for the compass, then the wisdom that you're going to access to make decisions is going to be not heavenly, but earthly and demonic. He's also given us a rudder. Can you put up the picture of the tall ship, please? Imagine that that tall ship is you. Massive, massive sails. The square footage of those sails has got to be, I don't know, but it's a lot. And the wind is blowing into those sails. And some of that wind, interesting, you know the word spirit is translated from the Greek word pneuma. It means wind, air. It's wind. The Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows. And the enemy is like a wind that blows. So your sails are going to get all kind of full of wind. But you've got this thing called a rudder. And that rudder, relative to the space, the square footage of those sails, is immeasurably small. But that big ship, with all those sails up, can literally sail into the wind if the rudder is worked properly. So what happens is you have to discern which wind you're going to submit your rudder to and which direction your ship is going to go because God gives you a map and God gives you a compass, but he never, ever takes control of that rudder. I think that's a fair statement. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot? And then, you know, church people get all upset. God's not your co-pilot, he's your pilot. And I don't think he's either. He's not my pilot, he's not my co-pilot, he's my navigator. Because he doesn't drive my car. He doesn't sit next to me and reach over and drive my car. He gives me a map. He gives me a GPS. He gives me direction. But I always have my hand on the wheel. I can drive whichever direction I want. He's showing me the direction to go. More as a navigator than a pilot or a co-pilot. Okay, that's last week. Today, we're going to talk about our minds. The, the key to this whole thing is your mind. It's, it's the thing, it's the, it's the, it's the um, treasured ground that the Lord and the enemy are both trying to gain access to, to influence it in one direction or another. We're going to look at the mind from the scriptures, from the perspective of relationships, relationships within our families, relationships um, within the world in general. Relationships, even with ourselves, because the enemy, in his, um, in his desires to kill, steal, and destroy, is looking to break relationships. He's looking to get us to see through a lens of evil and distrust and jealousy and all these different things. And you can see yourself in a way other than the way the Bible teaches. And he can actually cause division in yourself, where you'll have turmoil in yourself. So from the perspective... 
from the perspective of relationships, from the perspective of the abundant life. Jesus said that the, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but he came that they may have life and have life abundantly. So that if we can control our rudder the way that the wind of the Holy Spirit would blow us, we can have this abundant life that Jesus purchased for us. And then the third thing is, is literally to be the light of the world, to be a city on a hill, to bring forth God's will on this earth. Okay. Two key scriptures from last week that, that are foundational for this week. John eight thirty one and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You've heard it from me a hundred times, one more time or two more times today. Truth has always existed from the foundation of this world because God was here first before truth has always existed. But every day people die and go to hell. It's not the existence of truth that sets people free. It's the knowledge of truth and then the acknowledgement of truth and then the actual doing of truth that sets us free. The fact that I know truth and I have a relationship with my wife and something comes up that stirs me that might cause me to act a certain way, if I don't choose truth, even though it exists, even though I'm aware of it, if I haven't chosen it, then the fruit of truth is not going to be manifest in my marriage. Okay, second one, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This is wisdom speaking. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For, the, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Every time we get into a situation, there's going to be two wisdoms that are going to try to influence our decisions. Whether it seems right whether it feels right, whether you don't want to do it, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. The outcome will always be best if we do that. Could you put up the, um, the battle slide? Let me just review this real quickly. So in, in this slide, there's a center part. The center part represents us, our soul, it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. That is the prize. It's actually, it's the intermediary prize. Life and death are the ultimate prizes. But it's the intermediary prize because, see, the devil, he has only lies and deception in his tool bag. The Lord has everything in his tool bag, but he chooses to use his church as the vessel for his will on earth. So our soul, our minds, the things that we would will and desire, the way that our emotions work, have two influences spiritually. On the right, it's by God. The way he influences or tries to influence our soul to do what's good is by way of our spirit. Because if you're born again, your spirit is connected directly to God. It's seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. On the left is the enemy, the devil. And the way that he tries to access your mind to, to, to drive your will and your emotions is through your flesh. 
On the bottom is the mechanisms that they both use. The Lord, by way of the Holy Spirit and our spirit, uses truth, his word, to try to influence us to good and to his will. The enemy can only use lies and deceptions. So if you don't, if you don't know the truth, you're going to be really in a rough spot because you might even have the Holy Spirit, but he's pointing you to a place you don't know in this road map. So it's critical as a Christian that you come to desire to know the will of the one you call Lord. Otherwise, I question whether he's really Lord. You have to know the word. You have to immerse yourself in the word so that when you're being tugged on, like that little ribbon in the center of a tug-of-war tug, tug rope, that little ribbon that's you know, getting pulled back and forth, you have a way to know which side you want to turn and pull with and resist the other one. Okay. Let's start here for today. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, that's not this flesh thing that the enemy is trying to get at. That's literally human beings, where the manifestation of our issues are with other people. We kind of have our sense for the problem being the other person, but the other person is not the problem. You find that in Ephesians 6, and you find it here in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Remember, we're talking about our minds today. Fortresses, when the Bible talks about these fortresses, there are, there are things that reside in our minds. If we allow a fortress of truth to be built up in our mind, then we will see things through that fortress and we'll respond in that way. It's kind of like the, the ongoing fulfillment of the wisdom that we grasp. But if the fortress is from the enemy, it gets built up and it clouds the way we see truth. And we respond in wrong ways because we've allowed these fortresses. So as we're having these battles, we have to understand that the answer is always truth. And, and we have to access truth in order to be fruitful in winning the battles. So just the, the way that we battle is destroying speculations. Um, you know, I think so-and-so might have said such-and-such about me. It's a speculation. What about so-and-so? How do I know that's true? Well, you should see the way so-and-so acts towards me. And I could tell from somebody else. I'm pretty sure. And you start to, to dwell on this speculation. Or, or even worse, you know, I've had a lot of bad stuff. My son had to have brain surgery. I'm not sure there's a good God in heaven. How could there be? Look at him. He's so beautiful. He's so innocent. How could there be? In little tiny speculation. These are flaming arrows. They come from the enemy. And if you take one second to dwell on speculations, they become the, the beginnings of fortresses. And as the fortress gets big enough, you'll find yourself in situations where other people will look at you and they'll think they're nuts because they can't see the force for the trees. They can't see truth because you're so blinded by this fortress that started with speculation. Okay? So we destroy speculation. We do it with the truth. God is a good God. I have his word. I can see it. He sent his son. 
destroying every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. It's truth again. If something tries to exalt itself above a true knowledge of God, use the same example. How can he be a good God? Look at all the evil that's in the world. That's a pretty tough one to answer when you see the evil and you see the pain and you see the hurting. But if you look at the scriptures, you can understand what's happening because God has given us insight into that. The evil in the world does not make him an evil God. Any knowledge that doesn't stand true to a knowledge of God, a true knowledge of God, has to be cast down. And finally, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive. And I mean every thought because every thought we don't capture has the opportunity to become a fortress in our minds and change the way we think. You've heard people talk about a worldview. You know, some people have a worldview that says that, that um, a developing fetus in a woman's womb is like her thumb. If she just doesn't want her thumb, she should be able to cut her thumb off. If she doesn't want that thing in there, it's just an appendage. Somebody else has a worldview that says, no, no, that's a unique individual whose mechanism for life happens to be an umbilical cord and his house happens to be her womb, but it's not her finger or her thumb that she could just chop off if she chooses to think it's inconvenient. It's a worldview. It's a fortress. It's the manifestation of how you think based upon what you allow into your mind. Where is your truth coming from? Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Here's a couple of examples of flaming arrows, thoughts that came from the enemy that weren't taken captive. First one is uh, Luke 9, 54 through 56. When his disciples, now Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, ultimately you know, for his Passion Week, and they need to stop in these Samaritan villages on the way, and, and one village wouldn't let him stay. His guys went out ahead of him. When his disciples, James and John, now these aren't a couple of, you know, at the end of the line disciples. These are two, two, two of the top three that he mentored the most, that had the greatest access to him. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he, being Jesus, turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Can you see the process of wisdom? They, they were presented with a situation. And then because of the situation, right, they wouldn't even receive Jesus, who they believed to be the son of God, into their village on his way to Jerusalem to die for their sins. They're like, they won't let you come, Jesus. Let's call to heaven and bring fire down on that village. That was not heavenly wisdom that caused them to make that decision in their minds on how they thought they should act in that situation. It was demonic wisdom. Here's another one, Matthew 6, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, again being Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Peter, he was hearing the gospel. This was the way that God had ordained to have relationship back with mankind. Jesus had explained it to him. But as he's hearing what's going to happen to Jesus... His wisdom did not come from heaven. 
And Jesus literally called out the source of that wisdom and said, get behind me, Satan. Because it was Satan that was influencing Peter to try to influence Jesus out of his ordained path. Make sense? That's what it looks like biblically when we don't submit ourselves to the wind of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I made a note here just this morning. In their defense... They're, be, they're being, Peter and, uh, and James and John, they're being given the map, right? They don't have the New Testament map yet. They have the Old Testament map. So they're being given the map, but don't yet have the compass because they haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. So a little bit of grace for them. But they do, however, have the direction that says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he called Jesus Lord in that very statement. So a little bit of grace for them. Okay, Romans 12 and 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, which is the word that we would get metamorphosis from. So when you think of how you're going to be transformed, you have to think in terms of a caterpillar and a butterfly. It's such a dramatic transformation that if you saw a butterfly, you would never imagine if you didn't know the process that that thing could have ever been like this little many-legged worm. It's just not possible. How could this turn into that? But it does. And that's the way you need to see this transformation. And the way that transformation happens is by the renewing of your mind. You have to change the way you think. You have a paradigm. I have a paradigm. We live in a world that's trying to indoctrinate us into its way of thinking. But God has given us a map. He's given us a way to think. And the the transformation that will change us from being a a caterpillar to being a butterfly comes from us choosing to change the way we think and accepting the wisdom that God's given us in his word. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Put the um, battleship slide back up for just a second, if you would. Kind of look at that as you... As you, I'll just read these ones. You don't have to put the scripture up right now. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Paul says we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. It's the devil himself. What would you describe the course to be, the course of this world in the context of this scripture? It's demonic wisdom. It's that wisdom that would guide us on this path that would make us sons of disobedience. There's only two. There's only good and evil. There's only God and not God. The course is that demonic wisdom, earthly wisdom. And uh, in this slide, if you look, the people that he was describing, they, they live only on the left side of the chart because they don't have the map and they don't have the compass, the word of God and the Holy Spirit, to contrast their thoughts against. Maybe if they got anything, it's that they were made in the image of God. But that doesn't get anybody saved because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans one twenty one. 
For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They speculated on things. They had the opportunity to know God because he is evident in his creation to everybody. But because they chose to dwell in speculation, their, their hearts were hardened. Or darkened in this case, same difference. Colossians 2, 18 and 19. I just want to read you so many scriptures that speak to the mind and the choices and the things that influence us and how we have to uh, address those things. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head to whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. Defrauding you of your prize. That probably has a pretty broad meaning, certainly an eternal prize, but I think the abundant life is also a prize that Paul could be speaking to here. Fleshly mind, that would be the mind on the left, influenced by demonic wisdom by way of the flesh, the fleshly mind. Holding fast to the head, that would be operating out of the right side of the slide. Holding fast to the head, the head is Jesus. We're the body. He wants us to operate. He needs us to operate in a way that's consistent with his mission because his mission is now our mission. If we don't hold fast to the head, this is the kind of fruit that comes from our lives. Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. So I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Stop just a second. Will you put that slide back up again? Okay, so look at this and hear this. And they, having become callous, have given themselves, the devil didn't do it, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. That's the fruit. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit slide, or uh, scriptures, I didn't read it, but that, that little box in the center on either side is the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And it shows these things. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. See, that's what happens when they give their minds over. That's the fruit that comes out of their lives. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him. Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in, in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God, your new self was created in the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their minds, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance 
that is in them. Why are they ignorant? Because of the hardness of their hearts. They were unwilling to change the way they think. They were enticed by these fleshly desires. And they tasted that flesh. And it tasted good and it was fun. But then their hearts get calloused and hard. And they're excluded from the life of God. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember Peter and James and John rain fired on them? No, no, Lord, never. It can't be that way. Their mind was given over to a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. That's what we have to be renewed in the spirit. Which wind are we going to let fill our sails? How are you going to guide that rudder? Because the spirit of your mind has to be driven by the Holy Spirit, not the demonic spirit. Lay aside falsehood and speak truth. What is truth? It's God's word. Jesus is truth. The word of God come in the flesh. Okay, a really long one. It was all of Colossians chapter 3, but I trimmed it down because I wanted you to be home by 4 (laughs) o'clock. Therefore, listen to this. Let me just pray a minute. Father, I pray that, that this scripture, that your word will just penetrate us, that use this word for us to see how it is that we can live this abundant life, Lord, how it is that we can be useful in your kingdom, Lord. Use these words, I pray, ears to hear and eyes to see, open, willing hearts, the soil of our hearts tended and tilled so that it receives the seed of your word in such a fashion that we just cherish and embrace it. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your body, your earthly body, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman. But Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you also, or so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. There can be no separation when people put on love. It's just not possible. It's like super glue times a billion. There's no separation in love, real biblical love. Let the peace of Christ, let it, let it, allow it, the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, or excuse me, through him to God the Father. Choose. Choose. Choose to keep seeking the things above. On earth as it is in heaven. Seek the things above. You're not there yet in in the eternal sense. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places in your spirit. Keep seeking the things above. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. With your mind, consider. He says, consider. Not speculations. These are things that you should consider as true. The members of your body are dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. These lead to the wrath of God. People will say, but, but no, 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 but. You think, oh, but I got all this. It's like, no, you don't. You might choose once in a while to, but it is not who you are. Consider yourself dead to immorality. If you're looking at pornography, tell God, I confess that I've been looking at pornography. Forgive me, please, Lord. He says that he will. And then you just ask for the grace, which you already have, to quit it. Don't submit your members to immorality. You don't have to. Just stop. You say, oh, it's so easy. I don't know if it's easy. Some things God took away from me, cover my daughter's ears, one of them was pornography. I never even prayed about it. Never once. I quit swearing, mostly. Just a couple little ones once in a while. But not the big bad ones, just the little ones. But, but seriously, and when I do, I'm conscious. I'm conscious that I'm doing it. He took that one away too. I never asked for it. There's other stuff that I've had to wrestle to the ground. Selfishness, pridefulness, stuff like that. But I don't have to do that because Holy Spirit is inside of me. I'm a new creature built in the holiness and righteousness of the truth. So you don't have to feel guilty and ashamed and all, oh, you know, if anybody knew. Now you know, I used to look at it. I did all the time, all the time. I don't anymore, not even a little bit. I'm delivered. Praise God. Thank you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. You have to choose. You can't use the devil as an excuse. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Not like you can measure the greatness difference. It's infinite. Okay, sorry. None of that was in my notes. No but, right, Bob? No but. Okay, so those are the things that we get out. We don't submit ourselves to. He says, put on. These are the things you can dress yourself in. This is a great mantle. If you're looking for a new outfit, put this on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another. Put on love. Let the peace. Let the peace of Christ. See, when you don't have the peace of Christ, it's because you're not letting it. Why are you not letting it? Because somebody is suggesting something to you that's not peaceful. Jesus slept in the back of the boat. Why? Because he had peace. He knew. They're like, we're going to die and you don't even care. He's like, huh? (laughs) Because he didn't dwell. He didn't allow his mind to go to someplace that he knew wasn't going to happen. Where's your faith was the question he asked them. (laughs) So here's conclusions. Almost done. Please, I pray we get this. Even if you stumble, you've got to get it. You have to drive your stake in the ground. You have to decide this is true. And even if I wander from it, even if he deceives me and I make a bad decision, this is the stake in the ground where I'm putting myself. I believe this to be true, that your mind is the treasured 
ground that the enemy wants. That's it. If you can learn and you will choose, really, the first one is to choose, to manage your thoughts. Oh, if I could tell you the number of times I've counseled people, it's like, stop thinking like that. Stop it. But you don't understand. It's like, I don't have to understand. There's only truth and false. That's not true. That's false. Stop it. Quit thinking about it. I can't kick it out of my mind. There's a process to get it out of your mind. I'm going to teach you that next week. You have to decide to manage your thoughts. But, oh, they made me so mad. Somebody says, you, you make me so angry. You make me a bad person. It's like nobody makes you a bad person. You choose to do bad things. Don't tell somebody else it's their fault. Don't be looking past the log in your eye trying to find a speck in somebody else. I'm being harsh, but I'm not meaning to be harsh. I'm just trying to tell you your life will be so much better if you just drive that stake in the ground and say, this is the truth and this is where I'm hanging my hat. I'm not coming from it. I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. You have to do it because then you can have what the Bible promises you. Me. Ultimately, the choice is to know the truth, acknowledge the truth, act on the truth, and finally trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because the devil is going to present us situations, always situations. And God's going to allow it, right? He said the storms are coming. It don't matter where you build your house. Build it on the rock. The storm doesn't go around you. Oh, look at that guy. He should have built on a rock because no storms come to me. Storms are going to come. They are going to come. They are going to come. They're coming for your testing. James says, consider it all joy when the storm comes. Consider it all joy when you face trials of many. Consider it all joy when your kid has to have brain surgery. You've got to be nuts. What kind of dumb pastor are you? I, hey, I'm just telling you. Consider it joy. Why? Because he's working something out in you. He's bringing about maturity and perfection. That's my son, and you gave him to me. And even if you let him go, I trust in you, Lord. I'm standing on you, Jesus. Because this life is, I mean, it's like a wisp, and it's gone compared to eternity. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. I'm telling you, read the Bible. Please, please, please read the map so when the compass points you to a place, you're not looking at a blank sheet of paper. When, when the Holy Spirit is stirring you, he can stir you to a scripture. Because when he stirs you to a scripture, you know it's truth. You don't have to wonder if it's a good idea. You know it's a good idea. Somebody gets you so angry. You get so angry because you chose to. Excuse me. You got angry because you picked it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, here it comes. All kind of mean stuff. Don't respond with evil for evil. Turn the other cheek. Take another shot. Punch evil in the face by doing what the scripture says. I'm I'm just, oh, I wish I could just, I wish you could be a little, I'm glad you're not, but I wish you could sometimes be just a little camera into my life and see the times when I don't choose. And it's always, almost always it's with my wife and I hurt her and I do things that make her not be able to feel safe with me. And then when I don't, how the fruit is so wonderful.